Welcome back to an episode of Ticket to Anywhere, where we're normally two voices, two ways to adventure from anywhere. But today is a solo ep with the one and only Leah, LA in flight, um, my co-host, my partner in crime, my co-hustler, Trizzy. Life was really slammed this week, so... We're going to do this alone today, but welcome. Thank you all for being here today. I'm recording an episode on moving to another country. What is that like? How is that possible? I know it's a pipe dream for a lot. There is a lot of work that goes into it. I will say it is not easy whatsoever. And I've moved to four new countries. Um, Some of them were very short term around three to five months. And then I moved to Australia, which was a year. So not only do we have a solo episode today with yours truly, Leah, but we've invited some guests to send in recordings of how they move to other countries from wherever they are in the world. So we do have some features today, which I'm so grateful for. And I'm super excited that they they wanted to share their story with us here on Ticket to Anywhere podcast. So before we get into it, you know, it's late. It's 4th of July weekend. I know I'm not supposed to timestamp these, but got to have the coffee, right? So shout out to Havana Savannah in this little town of Santa Clarita for providing me with the um, sweet cream cold brew. Cheers. Salud. So this is what I'll be drinking all episode. And if you find value in any of these episodes thus far, um, we've dropped a cool hint, a new way to travel, a tip or trick, some piece of advice that um, you'll remember. We'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because when you do, that helps others discover us. It pushes us around in the ranks. It helps Ticket to Anywhere get shown to other travelers just like yourself who, who may want to listen to our stories as well. So that's a massive help. You can also stop by our YouTube page or visual podcast. And it's cool to see, especially the people we have on today. It'll be great to see their faces, their backgrounds. You're going to love some of those. Um, or if you don't have access to Apple podcasts or can't get to YouTube for whatever reason, drop us a line on Facebook. And of course, we are linked on all of our social medias um, as well. TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we dropped that in the show notes. And now you can support us uh, by donating to our buy me a coffee link. And that is in the show notes as well. So here we go. Moving to another country. Let's do this. Hey there, it's Trizzy and Leah, your host for the Ticket to Anywhere podcast. We created this travel podcast for you, who's just as obsessed with exploring the globe as we are. We each travel a different way and even have different work schedules, but every episode we aim to widen your worldview, inspire you to consider a destination near or far, or learn from others. With us, you can adventure from anywhere. Keep in touch with us on social media at Ticket to Anywhere Podcasts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Never miss an episode by subscribing to Ticket to Anywhere Podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Pocket Casts and hit subscribe to follow our visual podcast on YouTube. So like I mentioned, this episode is all about moving to another country. I'm going to tell you how I did it, how I prepared, FYI, tons and tons of preparation, years of mental and emotional preparation. Um, And then I invited some other guests to send in their stories remotely from, you know, the new country they moved to, to 
tell us how they moved and where they moved to. So the first one I want to start off with is Argentina. So I moved to Buenos Aires at the end of 2015, literally right before New Year's Eve. So I spent the first half of 2016 in Buenos Aires in Argentina. And I had picked Argentina, South America in particular, because at the time I had been working five years in the media buying industry and advertising. I knew it wasn't going to be my forever. I was craving going to a Spanish speaking country, utilizing my Spanish. And I didn't want to do Spain because I thought that was typical, right? So what better than South America? It's a bit off the beaten path, if you will, or it's not as traversed as, say, Europe or Southeast Asia. So I decided, OK, South America, but where in South America? So I was looking for big cities. I love big cities, um, but lots of places to travel within day trips, you know, diverse terrain. And so as I was doing my research online, um, I found that Buenos Aires seemed to be a logical and great fit for me. So I had my heart set on Buenos Aires. What I did was really uh, hyper-prepare myself. I think I started preparing realistically about 10 months in advance. So I'd say about February 2015, I um, started preparing my parents. Like I took them out to dinner, had a long conversation about the future of what I wanted to do and how I really wanted to move to another country and how I wasn't feeling fulfilled in Las Vegas anymore. I was living in Las Vegas at the time. I really wanted to get out. Um, I didn't see my career as the future of me, as the future of Leah. So I did a lot of that. Now, after I got their, their essential blessing, right? It didn't need their approval. I was, you know, 27 at the time. I was old, but I wanted their support, right? Like what, what grown adult child doesn't want their families and their loved ones support? So you know, after I showed them I had a plan, I got to work financially. And I think throughout all of 2015 was a really incredible learning experience for me as far as finances and figuring out like how to save. Like literally it was the year I learned how to save. I taught myself how to save because I had no financial budgeting, monetary education growing up. Um, and even though I had really big events that year. Like my sister got married. So a lot of my money was going towards supporting that, um, you know, bachelorette parties. I really like looked at my budget and said, okay, what can I put aside? Because my thinking was I need to be able to survive in South America without working for a year. The plan was a year in South America. Um, and what if I can't work or don't want to work, right? I really was going to go off and travel. And so um, I started putting chunks and chunks away of my paycheck rather than spending it like I was so used to doing the past four years. And I, I, the way I did this was I looked at all of my expenses and, and it became a game of not a game, but, you know, it became needs versus want, like truly needs versus want. I was the type, you know, back then, this was years ago, <laughs> getting my nails done every two weeks. Um, buying things just because I have money. Like this is so embarrassing. We just talked about this in uh, the budgeting episode a few episodes ago, but I was spending money just because I had it. And I kind of reduced the amount of times I was going out with friends. Like my friends, they were my friends. They're my best friends. But it was like, it was kind of the same thing every time. And I had bigger goals to work for. So, you know, I would maybe go out every other weekend or when there was a really big event, like a, a birthday or some type of celebration rather than three, four nights a week, like I would do. 
prepping, you know, I told a few of my friends, some of my best friends, just in case it didn't happen. I didn't want to, um, you know, pull back on my word and, and think that like, I didn't go through with my word. So I didn't go around like announcing it on social media or anything. Um, told a few of my best friends, uh, which was great because they connected me with people uh, who either had lived in Buenos Aires or live there currently. Um, so this is the, the mental and emotional prep I was doing. I was actually going to uh, quit my job um, at the end of the year, but then they ended up outsourcing the department. So I really saw that as a sign uh, as for me to, to get out there and go, which was really exciting. As far as research, right? I love research. I love cross-referencing. Oh, it's my favorite thing to do. I'll pull up like a billion tabs and a billion windows and look at things that people have to say. So the best parts of research that I did going into it, I got on a, face, a lot of Facebook groups. Even to this day, Facebook groups are still very prevalent. You could literally type in the most random things like backpacking South America and there will be a group for it, I promise you, or a forum for it. So of course, blogs, right? I asked around friends and said, hey, does anyone know anyone that either studied abroad here, lived here, have friends here, have connections here in Buenos Aires? And a lot, uh, quite a few people did actually, which was great. One of the biggest things I did to, with my finances was I actually got certified to teach English as a foreign language. So I got my TEFL and I got it through um, International TEFL Academy, which is based in Chicago, but of course they're operating all over the world. And I paid a premium price, but the network, the global network that it came with was worth it alone. Some of those people that I met through there became some of my greatest friends when I moved down to Buenos Aires, but a lot of tips and advice from people who had done it before and had done the same thing. So I wanted that. I know I wanted that English certificate to fall back on in case I did need to work. I know that's a default of a lot of people, especially even some people who don't want to teach, right? I love helping others. That's why I thought I could be a good teacher. I did a ton of prep going to moving to Argentina. So that was my like my how and how did I prep, right? Everything that I just mentioned and where, like why did I decide Buenos Aires, Argentina. And it was great because it became a bouncing pad for me to go to uh, Iguazu Falls in Brazil. You know, I, I went to Chile after that. I also went to Uruguay. It was the greatest spot I think I could be in in 2016 in South America for jumping to other cities. Mind you, it was a lot easier back then. Of course, Argentina is still, I mean, the, the, the world is in a pandemic. Argentina is still very much in a lockdown and they're only letting in residents and citizens. So might not be able to do this as easily these days. I don't think they're letting in foreigners at the moment. And it's interesting because prepping to go to Argentina, there were a lot of requirements. At the time, there were visa requirements, which is funny because I've mentioned this in previous South America episodes, moving to Australia episodes, but the visa requirements was $200. So filled it out, thought I did it great, messed it up, totally messed up my name or my social security number, something weird. So I paid another $200 to fix it. Can you believe that? I wasted $400 on a visa. And guess what? Six months later, they removed the visa. <laughs> 
for Americans. And I was already gone by that time. So the thing about it is, though, even though we had this allowance to stay in the country, the way many expats were able to stay in Buenos Aires in particular um, for so long is because they would do visa runs. So the rule was that we couldn't stay for longer than 90 days in the country. So a lot of times on the 89th day, many people would take the ferry. It was probably like, I don't know, $15, $20 across the river from the port of Buenos Aires to uh, Montevideo, I believe, or no, Colonia, which is the port in Uruguay. And it was only an hour. So these were called visa runs. And every, you'd have to do it, get the stamp from another country to show that you left the country. Then you come back to Argentina. And Uruguay was the easiest way to do it. And I think that's why a lot of people moved to Argentina and thought it was the one of the easier places in South America to become an expat because all they had to do was take a $15 ferry across the river, stay for a few hours. It didn't even need to be the day. You could just go exploring for a few hours. You could go have lunch over there and then come back. Life has changed. Who knows what it'll be like when Argentina will let foreigners back in. It'll be a different story, I'm sure. But my best advice for selecting a country would be look at the visa laws. Nowadays, 2021, um, there are a lot, there are a couple countries like Estonia, for example, that are handing out digital nomad visas. Of course, you'd have to do all the research and the requirements for it. But there are a lot of different countries that are allowing remote workers, digital nomads, and the rules are changing, you know. So I was hyper prepared and I was proud that I was hyper prepared because when I got to Argentina, I felt hyper prepared. I knew how to change my dollars on the blue market, um, which is their black market, but they call it the blue market. I knew what cell phone service to get, what neighborhoods were great. When I got there, you know, I stayed in a couple hostels just to feel the lay of the land and go exploring. I actually ran to Uruguay within a week because I met some friends and they're like, let's go for the weekend. And I said, okay, fun. So I went for a week, came back into the country, stayed in another hostel. Then I went apartment hunting because I knew I wanted to be here long, ter long term. Uh, I hit the ground running, trying to find an apartment. And I found one pretty easily off Craigslist, surprisingly. You just have to go. I, I went and saw dozens and dozens of apartments. And I lived with a French girl and an Argentine guy in a three, three bedroom, one bathroom on the 16th floor in the middle of Palermo, which yes, I will admit is a lot of where the expats live. And at the time, keep in mind, this is 2016, one bedroom. I was paying about $310. And it was a perfect situation, cute little space. I felt right at home when I walked in there and I just paid my landlord in cash. I think emotionally was interesting. I wasn't trying to date and I didn't, it was fine. <laughs> friends, there were bouts of moments where I definitely missed my friends, but I would say I came there with, not only was I enamored with everything, but I was also intimidated by everything as well, because I had never made a jump this big. Up until uh, this big trip, everything in my life had been two, three week vacations, right? I was living the corporate life for about five years before this. So it was getting used to a different kind of Spanish, because if you know, I mean, every 
region, every country has like a different sound of Spanish, right? Like sometimes Spaniards and Mexicans don't understand each other because Spanish is so different, just like how English speakers in the US, you know, the English is different from someone who who lives in Scotland, say. But, um, you know, I thought I knew Spanish. I, I went down there and I guess I didn't, according to some. So that was a little bit intimidating and made me not want to speak it, but I had to because I felt that not, not a ton of people spoke English, which is fine. I came to a Spanish speaking country. I wanted, I purposely came to a Spanish speaking country so I could practice my Spanish. And throughout my time there, some certain groups saved me like the Buenos Aires expat hub, BA expat hub, shout out to them. I'm still, I think I'm still on the group in Facebook because I love learning what's going on in the country to this day. I met most of my friends through there. So most of my friends actually ended up being foreigners and expats. I would never change a, a, a second of that experience for the world, but I think I could have tried harder to branch out. The amount of Argentine friends I had, I could literally count on one hand. So I thought I came hyper prepared uh, financially with all the documents, preparing. Emotionally, it was kind of rocky. I missed things back home, but I was super excited for where I was. And, and that was it. But now I want you to hear from Tristan and Marissa, who are this amazing couple that I actually met in Guatemala at a friend's wedding, but they had left, I'm sorry, Marissa had left Buenos Aires like six months before I actually got there. So we made a lot of mutual friends. Uh, people were making comparisons between us. I am honored to be compared to you, Marissa, but Marissa is a Mexican American. She has two, or she has dual citizenship and her now husband, Tristan also has um, EU residency. Plus he is an American citizen. So they had actually started dating abroad, which was great. And then they moved around together and they winged a lot of it, which is wonderful because I could never. So let's hear from them. So our travels. Yeah, uh, so we were dating and living in Barcelona. Yeah, we moved there separately and then we ended up uh, deciding to move to Mexico from there. That was due to visa issues um, because I did not have any of the proper documents that I needed in Spain. And we started dating just a little bit too late for me to take advantage of his EU citizenship. So yeah. instead, we moved to Mexico since I had to be out of the EU for two years. And yeah. Mexico was really easy as, uh, as like you don't need, um, you can live there for six months without a visa and you can just go out of the country and come back and renew the visa. So that was easy for me, and then she's a Mexican citizen. Yeah, I'm a dual citizen. We didn't really plan finances or documents for that. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. <laughs> the, the only time we've actually planned our finances and getting documents together was our move from Mexico to here, to Portugal. We're in Lisbon right now. Yeah, that was a lot more involved. Um, so while we were still in Mexico, we researched what we had to do visa-wise, and I actually applied to get my What's called a NIF is the Portuguese fiscal number. It's like a tax registration number. So I contacted a lawyer um, and they submitted a bunch of documents for me. Um, and so that would be started before I got here. And that took longer than we hoped. And I ended up not even getting it until after I arrived. 
and really COVID kind of slowed down everything, all the documents uh, getting processed. Yeah, yeah, it did, but it still worked out in the end. He moved here and we actually ended up getting married um, while we were in Mexico, um, in the States, but while we were living in Mexico because it just sped up the process so much more to move here since he was an EU citizen. Um, mm -hmm. So luckily we got married, he moved here, became a resident of Portugal, and then I was able to get my residency. Well, cross fingers, I had my yeah. appointment last week. Let's see if I get my residency, yeah. I think I did. So but we had to get like a bunch of documents. We had, yeah, a ton of documents. We had to get marriage certificates, apostles. Those are only good, the apostles good for like three months, six months. Mm -hmm. I had to get background checks, FBI, like Texas background check. What else did we get? Uh, so I had, uh, I had to get my bank statements, my work, uh, contracts for me, I'm self-employed. So it was kind of a, um, what do you call it? Like a EIN number that yeah. says like, Hey, I own a company. Um, uh, what else did we need? Basically anything you could imagine under the sun we needed yeah. just in case the off chance that they asked for it. Um, but yeah, we came like over prepared to oh, yeah. and we needed to translate everything into oh, yeah. Portuguese. <laughs> so we got all these documents certified, certified translated. translated. Oh, we had to get Portuguese documents too, of um, basically two people living in our neighborhood that confirmed that we did in fact live where we live. And then we had to go get that like certified yeah. at this neighborhood place. Everything was just a lot slower because of COVID and I don't know if you guys know, but we were on a complete shutdown for like four months from January till April, which is when we were gathering all these documents. And I made yeah. my appointment back in January for my residency and only had it last week. It's June now. So yeah. everything took a long time. Yeah, we had read beforehand it would be quick, but you know, it was but a yeah. strange year. Still worked out. And in terms of finances, we also did not really plan much for finances. We just wanted to have enough to live. I mean, we both work remote online. We didn't have to save for anything. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. You can find us on, you can find me on Instagram, Marissa underscore Ramos 11. And you can find him on... On my website, tristanjesse.com. I love Tristan and Marissa's story, this classic love story. I'm so enamored with the fact that they like started dating in Barcelona and then they moved to Mexico. Well, because they had to, and then they now are in Portugal and are living life, waiting on residency. Like I love seeing their journey and I love how they came to support one of our friends in Guatemala by attending the wedding. And I got to know them there. Um, I think this takeaway from me moving to Argentina, if I could give you advice, I would say personally, because not, not everyone's like this, I would say do as much research as you can without feeling overwhelmed and without making yourself feel bad or, or becoming confused, right? Like have your sources, make sure you can differentiate, make sure you know, they're coming from, from good places and do what you want with all that information, piece it together, get rid of the things that may not apply to you, etc. I would say always have a way to kind of always have a plan B, right? It doesn't hurt. It helps. 
prepare for things to happen. So whether that's like a safety address, the phone number of a friend, a local contact, something that you need to divert attention away from you, just take care of yourself while you're out there. Practice safety. So the next move I want to tell you about was when I moved from the U.S. to Australia. So this was after my year in South America, right? I had lived in Argentina, Colombia, and Peru, and I was ready for a new adventure. So Australia was never in the cards. It was never in the books. And this goes with the mentality of like being flexible, having an open mind, I was bartending my way through Peru. I had noticed so many people coming from Europe and they're like, oh, I'm backpacking South America on my way to Australia. And I'm like, why are so many people on their way to Australia? And one of my best friends I had made while bartending there, her name's Kate. She's from London. She was like, oh, they're going on the working holiday visa. And I was like, what is that? And it really allows people from other nations to come to Australia and exchange their goods and services, their labor, essentially, for time in the country. And it covers you for up to a year. There are additional things you can do if you want to stay uh, additional years after that, right? And this can turn into a world of possibilities. And after a few weeks of us, like, hanging out, bartending, getting to know each other, she was like, well, why don't, what are you doing next year? Next year as in 2017. She's like, why don't you just come to Australia with me? I'm going back. I'm essentially doing the same thing where she was in between her Australia years. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. So I looked it up. I found that the work and holiday visa subclass 462 is the one that Americans go on. So Americans, people from the United States of America, if you don't know that you can go to Australia and work for a year or two, you need to look into this. Of course, Australia's borders are closed until summer 2022 at the very, very least. But if things resume as previously, I highly, highly, highly recommend this once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to work and live and travel throughout Australia for an extended period of time. Essentially, all you need to do is have X passport, prove that you have X amount of money, uh, not be a felon, of course, and then pay the fee to get into the country, which was about 400 US at the time. So I applied for it in April of 2017, got approved literally within hours. It was amazing. And then I was on my way. So The timing could have been more perfect. I think my plan after South America originally was, oh, I'll go backpack Southeast Asia for a year. I had no plans on returning to like a corporate world, uh, none whatsoever. I will say when I got there, everything was really easy. Getting a bank account was easy. Getting phone was easy. Um, Healthcare was easy. I got tonsillitis the first month I was there. Oh my gosh, it was horrible. I've never, I don't think that was probably like the second worst pain I've ever felt in my life but uh, I was able to pay everything out of pocket because my health insurance didn't kick in yet. I had a job before I even jumped on the plane to leave California to get to Australia because I had networked my butt off with recruiters down there and they needed people like me who were, um, who were media buyers at the time. So my plan was to go to Australia and work and refill the wallet so I can travel again later on. The great thing was I knew a lot of people in Melbourne. 
which is where I went is in Victoria. It's in the south of the country. And there was no question of whether I would move to Melbourne or Sydney. Those are the two biggest cities. I definitely wanted to be in the city because I know from there I can go anywhere. And there was never a question. People always ask, how did you choose Melbourne over Sydney? One, I knew a lot of people in Melbourne. Two, anyone that lived in Melbourne versus Sydney, I would always hear people complain about Sydney. I never once heard anyone complain about Melbourne. And I'm like, y'all Australians made it too easy for me to pick. <laughs> so I went there without hesitation. I thought it was really easy to get set up. I found a roommate, lived in St. Kilda. And adjusting was wonderful. Adjusting was really interesting because I th there was no language barrier. And I had done the hard work of being alone, going on this journey, fending for myself and traveling solo for a year in a Spanish speaking continent on my own. So after that, it was like, especially in an English speaking country, my, my first, my native language, I was like this, this is a lot easier. And I had done, you know, so much exploring and traveling and partying the year prior. I was actually ready to get back to work. So I pivoted my career um, into events after the short stint in, in media. I pivoted my career into events, which is what I was doing, you know, pro bono with my life. And I had a great time. I was there to live and work. There were so many unexpected things that happened there. And I loved seeing the differences in how, I was living there versus how I would have lived back in LA or how I do live back in LA or how life compares to the States. There's a lot of differences like societal pressures, dating life, uh, how people are able to afford things, money, right? Like values, what's important. So it was just such a wonderful experience that I was only able to stay there for a year because um, I came back for a couple events, but that chapter was one of the best I ever had. And so I actually met a friend while I was there named Indy and he made the brave move of moving from Melbourne to Vancouver, Canada. So within the Commonwealth countries, sadly the U S is not part of the Commonwealth anymore, but within the Commonwealth countries of the UK, Australia, Canada moving is pretty easy, as Indy will explain. But I really wanted him to share his story, especially because I didn't want to keep bringing, you know, Americans. I know we have a, a large American audience, but I wanted to you to be able to see diverse perspectives from people who have moved all over the world, people from all over the world moving all over the world. So here is Indy. He is an Australian that moved to Canada. He's going to tell you how he did it. Hey girls, thanks for having me on the show. Um, my name's Indy. Uh, I'm coming to you from British Columbia, Canada. Uh, right now I'm about an hour outside Vancouver and I've been here for about three years. Moved over from Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia originally. Uh, this was my first experience living abroad, although I had traveled quite a few times. I really wasn't quite sure what to say when the girls asked me on the show, but if I had to describe my experience, it was it was relatively straightforward. I did a lot of the research uh, just using online forums and Facebook and groups. Um, there's a lot of information out there. I found the youth mobility visa, especially between Commonwealth countries, pretty straightforward. Uh, I don't know if it gets more complicated if you're involving America, but definitely moving between you know, England, Canada, Australia, and uh, parts of the EU, if you're in that you know, under 31, age bracket is, is definitely something I would recommend to, to everyone if you're thinking about it. 
In terms of prepping to go, there's there's never going to be a perfect time to go. There's always going to be a reason uh, stopping you or something you're waiting for. So again, my advice is don't wait for everything to line up 100% before you make the jump. Uh, in terms of prep, like I said, I, I applied for the visas online. I did a little bit of research into cities and stuff, but at the same time, I, I was very flexible. Kind of took a wait and see approach when I got here to figure out where I wanted to kind of settle down and what industry I wanted to jump into. So uh, I would definitely recommend, if you can stay flexible, that that's key. That'll make the process a lot easier because if you're expecting it to go 100% one way um, and something doesn't go exactly according to plan, you know, you can, can throw you into a tiz. But if you're, uh, I think flexibility is key. Emotionally, you know, you, you have bouts of homesickness for sure. With modern technology and stuff, you, you can still feel connected more so in the past. So, you know, there's there's times where you want to you wanna go home and say hi to people, but at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm very much enjoying the experience here still. Finance-wise... I was pretty fortunate that I, I did manage to save up a, a little bit of money. So if I was out of work for a little while or I wanted to travel when I, when I came here, uh, I would have had that possibility. would definitely recommend if, if you can, you know, you don't want to be having to jump straight into work on your first day. You want to you enjoy where you're living or where you're exploring. In terms of the overall experience, like I said, I didn't really come here with many expectations. I was, if anything, I was probably planning to stay one year, maybe two years at the max. Uh, I'm now coming up on three. Uh, again, COVID has slowed down the amount of exploring a little bit, but at the same time, wouldn't change this experience for the world. If I was to give any advice at all to anyone thinking about traveling or your audience, obviously we have a travel mindset, um, it would be, yeah, just stay flexible and um, have a think about why you want to travel. You know, there's obviously... It can be fun. It can be a new experience. But like I said, if you're if you if you're craving to go, it's really good to understand why, and then that might help you have realistic expectations of where you're going. Anyway, uh, I'm Indy. Thanks for having me on the show, girls. Yeah, if you want to connect me with me or ask any more questions, um, I'm sure the girls will drop my handle in the show notes. And um, yeah, enjoy the rest of the show. So I really loved Indy's why like figure out why you want to travel why you want to move and I love how he thought he was going to stay for a year and now here he is coming up on three so he's always been a a great person to have in my life I felt very fortunate and lucky to know him and that we're still in touch and we've had some great times down in Melbourne he introduced me to all his friends while he was there but um, the why for me, you know, came after I moved to Australia. I had always wanted to live life in other countries, experience life way out of my comfort zone. And I'm glad that Indy is still doing it. He's an inspiration to us all. So very cool. Loved hearing from him. So the last thing I want to cover is making friends and building that community while you're abroad. And when you're moving to a new country, you generally have more open mindset. You're more receptive to maybe opening your persona, meeting new people, trying new things. So the first thing I would say is it's so incredibly important to have that community while you're abroad, whether it's through work, whether it's through random friends that you met through mutual interests or people introduced you, there was a mutual friend that you had back home or through another group. 
I think it's important to try to build your community, your network, because you're going to need these people in in either low times or times of help or just times when you want that company as well. You know, being abroad and in another country can get pretty lonely sometimes and you want people who can relate or make you laugh or help you when you need it or someone to just bounce ideas off of or someone to just be silly with. So the ways I did it, like I obviously made friends through work or through whatever, whatever, you know, communities that I joined, whether it was through Facebook, like expat groups in the city that I was in, that's a great way to find people. Meetup I've used a lot. I've used Meetup when I moved to Las Vegas. I used it when I moved to Australia and meeting friends through work. I did when I was living in Peru, when I was bartending through there. I also asked around on social media, like, hey, who knows people here in Buenos Aires? I got connected to mutual friends down in Argentina who knows people in Colombia, et cetera, et cetera, like introduce me to these folks. And it's kind of like friendships are kind of like dating. You go out with them a few times, see if they're the right fit, see if they're your people, your tribe. And if it's not working for you, then, you know, that's fine. Keep, keep moving along and finding your tribe. I think here abroad and at home, the best way to find anyone that can capture your heart, whether it's friendship or romantically is to find things you like to do and be around people that also like to do them as well. Australia was very interesting because I already had a set group of friends moving to Melbourne, which I loved. And then they all had their own groups of friends. So I got introduced to all these people through them. So they're my like second and third degree connections, but I knew all these friends from traveling already you know, keep in mind, I moved to Melbourne after a year of traveling in South America. So I knew people that were going to be there already. I knew people that lived in Melbourne. So it was just such an ideal situation. And it's not like that for every, for everyone. Community takes time. It could take months. It could take years. So keep in mind, if you are maybe nomading and hopping around from few months, every few months, it's a little bit more difficult People are always coming and going. And that was one thing I remember one of my friends, Layla, said in Argentina is the hardest part about being an expat is that people are always coming and going. It's like constant heartbreak. But, you know, the more effort you put into these friendships, the more you'll get out of it. So even if you keep in touch after these people leave, you can still keep that relationship. You can still keep that friendship. Some of my best friends to this day are friends that I've met abroad six five, six years ago. And I talked to them on a weekly, on a monthly basis. They will always have a special place in my heart. It's a very delicate subject because it's tough and it does take time. The second thing I want to talk about really quickly is feeling guilt about leaving your family back home. As a Filipino American, I did feel guilty for a bit, but at the same time, I also had family and friends that supported my dreams no matter what. And yes, it sucked. I missed a lot of events, events that I wish I could be at. But at that time in my life, I also probably could never travel like that ever again. So I said, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to do it. And my family supported that. And I haven't regretted a day being gone. In fact, my piece of advice would be stay longer. Don't feed into that guilt. And I know it's easier said than done, but something's got to give, right? So if you're feeling guilt, if you're feeling that guilty, then yeah, maybe go back home. But I promise you, your the love your friends and family, the people closest to you have, will not change. So now I want you to listen to Ava. She has great stories of building community and uh, what leaving her family was like while she moved abroad to South Korea and Germany. We're super excited. So let's hear from Ava. Ava. 
Gail. I'm a Filipino American from Daly City, California, which is right outside San Francisco. Um, I spent all of last year there, but prior to that, I was in South Korea for four years. And currently, I'm doing my second move abroad in Germany. For South Korea, I moved there to teach English in 2016. And what was supposed to be a one-year contract turned into four years. Right now, for my second move to Germany, I'm moving here to be with my partner. Um, and it'll be a move for at least the next few years. Coming here has been a totally different ballgame compared to moving to Korea. Moving to South Korea as an English teacher, you're kind of already automatically part of a community, whether it's like the English teachers that are in your school, if there are multiple teachers, or English teachers that are in your town. When I moved to South Korea, I lived in this very small farm town, and luckily there was kind of a big uh, network of English teachers in my town. I connected with them on Facebook before I moved, I was invited to the welcome dinner, and from there I made friends really quickly. I know that if I didn't choose to be part of this community and uh, you know choose to lean on these people for my support, that I wouldn't have had as great of a time in Korea as I did, and I probably wouldn't have stayed for four years. Moving to Germany on my own, I kind of have to make a little bit of more of an effort to find that community. So I think if there's one thing that I can tell you that will help you in your move abroad um, to feel a little bit less lonely, to feel a little bit less scared is to find people that you vibe with, find people that can help you, um, locals and foreigners alike, and just find people that you can depend on. I've only been here for three weeks, so I haven't been able to find that community support yet. Um, I think because I kind of depended on, you know, having my partner here as my support, which he's been really great at, but I do want to venture out and make friends of my own and connect with other people on my own as well. A few of the other things that I've kind of just been going through is that moving abroad again hasn't been everything that I thought that it would be. A lot of things are feeling uncertain and overwhelming this time. Um, I think it's also just coming off of the pandemic where everything was uncertain for the longest period of time. You know, I just, I went eight months with not knowing if or when I was going to see my partner last year. Um, and then we went another seven plus months um, just waiting to be together again. But also culturally, um, this is the biggest thing that I forgot, is that I feel this immense guilt. Um leaving my family again and just being apart from them because being Filipino, being Filipino, uh, the daughter of Filipino immigrants, you feel this responsibility. You feel a responsibility to take care of your parents, to take care of your family. It, I feel like my family has gotten used to that fact of me traveling, of me being away, and of me, you know, coming back when I decide to. Um, but it also, it's also still hard for them and for me. I've been in this place before, um, moving abroad, where everything is just uncertain, overwhelming, and I'm adjusting to everything and dealing with all this cultural stuff. But these are the things that you don't think about when you're moving abroad. So 
I just wanted to share a little bit of that with you since I'm currently going through it now. Um, so if you guys have any questions um, at all about moving abroad to teach English in South Korea, or even just kind of what it's like about my move in Germany, don't forget to follow me on Abigail Adventures on Instagram, and then also you can read my blog at abigailadventures.com. Moving abroad takes as much or as little preparation as you want to put into it. I like being prepared, but knowing that plans are not always going to work out. So I have a plan A, B, C, D, E, and maybe none of them will work out. That's fine. That's how I am. Everyone is different. I'm super excited that we got to have on the pod today different people from all different backgrounds that move to different countries and different situations. We got to hear all of their voices and all of their experiences. So again, thank you, Marissa and Tristan out in Portugal. Thank you, Indy, moving from Australia to Canada. And thank you, Ava, who is now in Germany. Thank you all. So this has been another episode of Ticket to Anywhere podcast. It was a solo one today with Leah, LA in flight. We'll have Trizzy back on with us next time. Be sure to rate, write a review, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, YouTube, Spotify. You can check us out on Facebook, even on Instagram, TikTok. As always, thank you so much for your support. Share this episode with a friend who is thinking about moving abroad or who has any doubts, has any questions. That is the highest form of flattery to us and we appreciate all of the sharing that you do and if you've heard this you've had a good point share it on social media and don't forget to tag us okay ticket number two anywhere catch you soon thanks everyone <laughs>